Hello everyone and welcome to Happy Times and Places, which is a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I get a friend to nominate a story and choose in secret their favourite things about it. I have to then commentate along and guess what those favourite things might be. Hello, uh, Toby. It's Paul Litchfield here. Um, One third of the podcast noise that is a wheezing, groaning sound. Categorically, of course, the only Doctor Who podcast available. Now, um, it's just me, I'm afraid. My fellow companions can't be with me at the moment. Um, Tom Neenan is uh, relacquering his recorder in the Zero Room. And uh, John Rain is walking his new dog, which is a cross between a pug and Adric, which means uh, every time he throws a stick... It always comes back with something else. Um, Also, I'm audio only at the moment, as um, I've currently uh, lent out my face at the very last minute to the uh, Scarleone family somewhere in Paris. Anyway, um, my choices um, for for you are um, the two-parter, David Tennant two-parter, that is Human Nature and uh, Family of Blood, which I really enjoyed. Um, so I'm going to tell you the bits I really genuinely adored about um, both episodes and then I'll give you my super duper overall joy love about the whole thing. Well, welcome everybody and thanks to guest uh, Paul Litchfield who is a member of the Wheezing Groaning Sound as he said which is a wonderful Doctor Who podcast i don't think i've ever actually met paul we know a lot of the same people he was in a brilliant sketch group uh, with uh, one the son uh, one of the sons of uh, roger lim uh, erstwhile doctor who incidental music composer so i'm surprised paul didn't choose one of those stories in order to just do one long name drop but uh, i'm delighted paul has joined me that the wheezing groaning sound if you do not know it is a superb doctor who podcast it's um it's uh, it's a bit naughtier than anything that I, I, the sort of level I pitch these at. Uh, and I have to say, not quite as fastidious about the factualities uh, of a programme. There's some uh, very erroneous speculation as to the reality of certain situations. But uh, they more that's not what they're there for. They are there to have a great deal of fun. They love Doctor Who. They're also not afraid to kick it about the park. And they do so with great good humour and invention and bonhomie and joyousness. I really enjoy their podcast. So I hope this has given you a flavour of Paul and, and makes you seek out uh, the stuff that they do. Not to the extent that you stop listening to one man droning on through uh, an episode. Um uh, yes, funny that. I was thinking about this podcast today. I was talking to lovely Jim Sankster, who did such a good job on the, the Caveman episodes, which was one of these that I, I felt really sort of came together. Because it's odd, this, expecting you to listen to one person just saying things during an episode of Doc 2. So I don't quite know what you're doing, but I am grateful. You're, you know, you're in my house. I'm, I'm looking at a, it's not a cheese plant, but it's a something of that ilk that I, uh, that is dying as I look at it. Uh, I've, I've got it for the court. We've got a plinth at the back that needs something to go on it to give it a bit of height. So I got this thing for Chez for Christmas, and I said it's got to be something that can sort of exist in the shadows and doesn't need much maintenance because uh, it's just sort of sprucing up a corner. And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely this. Uh, and it's, it's, as I said, it's dying as I speak. It had three bits of uh, leafy growth on it, and one of the bits had leafy growth on has died. Um, and they said the things that kill it are either overwatering, we haven't overwatered it, or not enough sunlight. So it's actually not fit for the purpose I bought it for. So it's now it's now standing by the window, um, and I'm hoping to revive it. Patrons, so you see, so, so p- patrons, you can you can you can 
you can follow the progress of the cheese plant if i remember to mention it again non-patrons that have got, i mean you're so far behind what uh, that when i record these it might already be dead as i speak it's already gone by the time it's come into your sphere of existence anyway so if that's not a reason to become a patron i don't know what is anyway i felt the need to do some uh Knew who? I was going to do survival. Benjamin Cook. Uh, famous Benjamin Cook. Millions of Twitter followers. Benjamin Cook has done survival. Um, but I've done... Uh, but And I've been afraid of it. And I was going to do that tonight. But I, And I've been a bit afraid of doing New Who because I can't... You know, if I'm, I've lost for something to say in a bit of classic Who, I can probably tell you what football team one of the bit part actors supported. I don't have that with, with this. And I, I don't think I've... I, I can't have seen... Uh, many of these stories as many times as I've seen the classic ones there hasn't been as, as much time um, and I've had things to do um, and yet you know I'm taking you back to the golden age is can we have a golden age already of new who I mean there are there are people who were born when the episodes I'm about to watch were broadcast who are now you know near adulthood and capable of doing things um, and, have, and have, you know, made some giant steps betwixt then and now. Um, I've just sort of meandered. Anyway, it's a sobering thought. But um, cards on the table, I, I, you know, this is a story I'm very much looking forward to revisiting. Um, and certainly uh, enjoying it in the presence of Paul, who is a very, very witty fellow. So I'm grateful to you for being there or here. You're in my house. Welcome. Yeah, we've got a dying cheese plant it's not a cheese plant I can't remember what it's called um uh, it's after midnight because I can only do this when the working day is done and my other half is tired of my <laughs> fascinating conversations about the apostrophe positioning on Howard's way and uh, uh, uh and whether Vera Lorimer really understood Blake Seven and <laughs> and uh, so that's seeing her off um and now we're going to do human nature I have it on BBC iPlayer and I am going to press uh, play in, uh, let me just uh, get it on the old, because we're in the future. I've got it on iPlayer. I have it on disc, but I've got it on iPlayer. Right, it's going to start in three, two, one. And I mean, it starts, oh, I love a laser beam. I do, I'm easily pleased. I love a laser beam. Um, and I've, in fact, I've just been doing an 80s story. I don't know quite what order these are going to come out in, but I've just done an 80s story that has a couple of laser beams, and they, they, they made me very, very happy. So, uh, seeing a laser beam in you, who just seeing it sort of hot on the heels of the Doctor there into the TARDIS, I think is a great way to begin. In fact, I, I think this admirable, the the way this begins at such a lick, um, the, the 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 way that. There's some big things going on here. That so the villains are already established. That the Kaminich. If I'd written this, this all this whole setup would have been so laboured. I'm writing something at the moment. I look at it. I go. I really need to. You know, condensing stuff is is really part of the art of of of, of good writing. And I uh, and I know how easy it is to sort of go well or oh, they might not understand this. I really need to explain the mechanics of it. And good science fiction explains the mechanics at a lick um it, it doesn't mean you, you you have to explain them um but but there's a real art i think in uh in in condensing the sort of setup uh and 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 this not only does that 
and introduces some big concepts. You know, the chameleon arch and the uh, 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 and the, the the watch and 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 this pr- pursuing bunch of aliens, but gets us into the gets us into the story and and what this story is the story of John Smith at the school before the credits before the titles before the opening titles and i think that is a remarkable feat an excellent feat of writing and and, and certainly not what i expected knowing knowing what the sort of story was going to be about i you know i expected there to be a bit of a build up and and you know this would be a big moment you know within the opening episode oh my god doctor who's going to have to be somebody else no we're going to pretty much start with him being somebody else uh and of, and and of course it's and it's a it's nice for Martha actually um but you, you know sort of being in the driving seat in a way i think that's a really nice um dynamic to give our leads i'm just going to uh, use this opportunity of the opening theme this is well, i love that i love this uh, opening title sequence to say alexa volume 5 uh, because I don't want to wake the house or the neighbourhood up with I love the I love the violins of this the in tune. I remember when I first heard those and I thought, oh, uh, this is new, but I like it because um, of course there's still part of me that only likes things that are old. And this is, but I remember loving this one now because we'd had a preview because that there'd been that oh one of these kids is out of step. I'm sure one of these kids is a Corporal Jones. Um, <laughs> Yes, he is. Look at him, <laughs> and he's not even. He's not. He's not quite. His gait isn't quite as good as everybody else's. Anyway, um, he's he's probably runs the RSC now. <laughs> um, uh, I think this whole setup of this story is superb because I think there's something something about England of the past that is very compelling to us because it speaks to our identity part of our identity that we have cast off because we are we not do not do things this way and yet our culture is sort of embedded in a lot of the attitudes that were you know were were formed or uh or if they were not formed here they're already embedded here you know it's a, it takes a long time to to um iron out tradition um and 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 you know we look at some things from the past and go oh my good god did we really live like that but you also look at other things and go oh but there are certain things even if it's just things like manners which i know it's very passe to talk about these days um uh, but the the that you sort of go but oh, i kind of i kind of quite like the fact that we you know we have codes of honor and stuff like that but of course codes of honor that are then exposed as that scene does very uh, simply and efficiently of and by the fact that you know martha is played by a uh, uh, martha is a companion of color um you know it automatically shows that for you know all people want to many people want to return to the values of times gone by they they um, uh, values becomes a very interesting uh, word, but equally, I'm not a a, a blind basher of of the past and uh, all that it is either. And I think this, I think this story and the way that um, it deals with the attitudes of you know times gone by, what nearly a, over a hundred years ago now, uh, 
and yet, you know, with recognisable sorts of people. Isn't that a sobering thought? Yes, of course, everybody depicted in this will be dead now. Um, and yet, you know, look and sound... It's not like watching something from, you know, the 1700s or something. You know, you, you know, there's still enough of us in these people. It's curious. I find that terribly moving. As I get older, I find myself... I get very wobbly about mortality and about not just my own but about the fact that i you know know a lot of people who've died um uh i mean not a week goes by these days well i mean that's partially as a friend of mine says because if your social circle is largely character actors who had their heyday in the 1960s what do you expect but um but not only that you know contemporaries of mine as well and i i, I find i find the fragility of life quite quite moving in the end you know the the importance of in individual lives, which of course this talks about, because we talk about you know the great the great number of casualties in World War One, but each of those casualties was an individual person, and what this captures so brilliantly was you know uh, uh, not only a person but a person who'd only just left school, you know, my goodness, uh, and I I mean you know you look at look at kids today and you go well they're, they're you know cocky bunch uh, uh but they wouldn't be able to do this sort of thing and that's interesting because it sort of shows that the, the bravado of youth uh, actually you know hides a lot of fragility and I, again you know those those contrary things i think are, are fascinating to grapple and i and i and i think it i think it, it, it does all of this w with the backdrop of where you know it's a science fiction story about uh uh you know uh, uh, an eccentric time traveller being pursued by a family of alien mayflies essentially um, and uh, yeah word for Jessica Hines who I think is uh, excellent I had the very great pleasure of working with her subsequently to this she and I both wrote part of a trilogy of plays about Spike Milligan I don't know why I was chosen uh, uh, and it was they were performed live in Hull uh, Jessica was in hers. Oh, I was in mine. I was in mine. Did I narrate mine? I was in mine a bit. Um, Jessica's was a monologue. Uh, and another lovely writer called Lee Mattinson. Uh, and we had... Do we have Doctor Who people in it? Actually, it wasn't a very Doctor Who-y cast. Mark Keep was in mine, but he's not been in Doctor Who, but he's associated with uh, Jessica. Anyway... I digress. Uh, the set design here is excellent. All of this, uh, you know, the period is done very well. But I think the whole period with the, you know, the the way that these two interact with each other, this is beautiful and this this is very evocative, all these pictures of the dreams. And it's great to see the gas mask kid there. And that's pretty. Seeing a, just seeing a Dalek in ink, I think, is great. Ah, oh, the mocks of Balhoon. Um, I think this is a, I think this is such a great conceit. And I have to... Um, make a confession um, I've never read the book see this is why I reject any suggestion that I'm I'm some kind of authority on Doctor Who because there's whole chunks that I, I, the, the new adventures I, 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 I feel like a traitor in a way but I, I they came when they came out I was broke I was a student um, I mean, yeah, I suppose if I'd been a proper Doctor Who fan, I would have saved my... Ah, oh, Paul McGann, his cannon. Oh, what a moment uh, that is. Because, of course, this is... Yeah, this is before the next Doctor where we, we see them in clips. But uh, those pictures... Um, 
it's very evocative that as well and of course because a diary and a journal is such a personal thing it's like a it's a very good way of giving an insight into his mind without him saying anything because it's his subconscious it's very artfully done that um it's a it's a very sensitively judged performance from jessica hines this uh she's she's quite a talent she was doing a film about a boxer when we did the spike milligan thing that she wrote and was in um uh, she, yeah, uh, she's 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 quite a talent. I think she's absolutely beautiful in this, and especially as you know, she's well known for, you know, really well known for spaced and for for comedy. I think I always think it's great when Doctor Who gives gives comedy actors the chance to do something straight and prove that actually, you know, if you can make people laugh, you can do the other stuff as well. And somehow it just seems to work slightly better for me in science fiction because we're dealing with the otherworldly and the strange. Um, it seems less incongruous than 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 it might seeing, you know, somebody in a in a gritty police drama or something. Although I would still welcome that. I always, I you know, I'm I like watching actors doing things that I don't expect them to do. Um, but I, but I know that can jolt an audience. Some an audience is sometimes like their actors to do the thing that they like to see them doing, which is why you often have stars who, who you know, um, are pretty much the same in, in everything because what they do is it's very likable. But but I, I I love the fact that Jessica Hines uh, gets to show a real depth. Uh, what a cast though! Thomas Brody Sangster. Um, I knew his agent at the. Oh, I got to know his agent who then wasn't his agent for much longer because I think he then joined Curtis Brown or some, somebody, but who was his agent when he did this. Harry Lloyd, uh, who, whose performance as the, as, the, uh, as, the, as the baddie in this, I think is, is quite phenomenal. So we'll, I'm sure, talk about him a lot uh, later. Um, it's, a, it's a terrific cast. It's amazing, actually, and it's kudos to Andy Pryor, the casting director, how many people that you might not have known then you you definitely know now i mean rebecca staten's done so many different things again sort of used to used to comedy uh does, does a lot of comedy um uh um and this is a nice this is a nice friendship that that they have um and as i say yes i didn't know the story um, I knew I knew what it was. I knew that it was the doctor, you know, becomes human and is in is in a school. But no, I I I didn't do uh, the new adventures. I did I did a few. Maybe if I got one free with a magazine, or or if I it was like occasionally I got gifted one or something. Like that. So I so I read a, I read a handful, um, but I had to do a lot of reading. I was doing a, a English and a drama degree, an English degree and a drama degree, and. Um, there was a lot of reading for that. So, you know, and I'd bought a trunk full of my VHS videos. <laughs> I mean, I brought all of my Doctor Who videos with me to university. Um, that seems insane now. <laughs> but, and you know, so that I could watch Doctor Who when, as it turned out, usually when none of my uh, other housemates were in. Um I, I wouldn't be without my Doctor Who collection. I mean, you, you young'uns now who have it all um, transportable, you don't even have it transportable on discs. You have it, it's on, it's on iPlayer. It's on, it's online. Uh, but I carted mine round in a big old trunk. Uh, why am I talking about that? Because that predates this. Uh, oh, Virgin 
the, the, ah, the new adventures, the new adventures. Uh, I also, I have to be honest, you know, I knew Paul Cornell was a fan. And I didn't like the idea of fans writing Doctor Who things, the books, because um, it all comes from self-loathing, believe you me, and probably a bit of jealousy. Um, uh, that it enabled me to go, well, that's not proper, because they're fan. Of course, that is nonsense. Um, Paul Cornell is a, an A-list, very capable writer. I knew nothing about... I think I'd read a couple of comic strips they'd written in some early things or whatever. But no, I didn't know. But I knew all these guys, and they all knew each other, and they were fans. And I was, I wasn't, I was, I wasn't bothered enough to be deeply resentful. But I was, I was, askance at it, uh, and and that is entirely down to me. But bear in mind, I was, you know, I was young. I was eighteen, nineteen, whatever. Um, uh, I I desperately wanted to be. You know, I had an uncertain future, and in my future, I wanted to be uh, an actor, a writer, a performer. I, I want, I, I love Doctor Who. So these people who all knew each other were doing this stuff that the only way I could sort of go, but sort of not take that personally was to dismiss it. You know, again, this is all largely subconscious. I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't that bothered, and I certainly wasn't pissed off about it but it but it enabled me to go it enabled me to be yeah i'm not that bothered about it um of course somebody being a doctor who fan does not stop them writing good doctor who somebody being a doctor who fan does not stop them being a very good and able creative person in their own right uh irrespective of whether they like doctor who or not and there's some doctor who fans who've written some brilliant stuff for television and film and radio and theater and not written any Doctor Who. And there are some Doctor Who fans who've done all those things and written for Doctor Who, and Paul Cornell is one of them. And um, and indeed, he's he's one of the first... Is he the first person to have written an episode and also chosen an episode for Happy Times and Places? As I record this, I've just uh, recently released for patrons, uh, so it will have come out before this for, for everybody, um, Paul talking about the Curse of Peladon. He's a very, very nice guy, uh, uh and and uh you know a, a very interesting and committed and political guy but who loves his doctor who uh and i think is a terrific i love father's day as well i think father's day is a terrific episode uh, and i would very much like to see paul cornell um write a lot more doctor who i think he he really knows how to do it and he really knows how to to do those those to, you know to inject emotion into stories uh, uh, and, 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 and humanity uh, and the imagination just of the concepts I think this is such a brilliant idea it's such a great way of exploring the character without fiddling about with the character or taking anything away from the character um, but exploring aspects and it doesn't let the doctor off the hook um, and you know there's the, 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 there are some morally grey areas in everybody's behaviour in this that aren't necessarily hugely flagged up. They're there for you to see and for you to experience. But it doesn't it doesn't sort of come out and put them front and centre all of the time even. It it presents them to you and you, you go away and ponder them. Now, I love Harry Lloyd. I think he's really brilliant and odd here. The only thing that takes it away from me slightly, because I love him from, from now on, is that he was slightly odd when the spaceship landed, when he was being him, and he's sort of slightly, what? And it just seems slightly arch and slightly weird. Um, and, and, and I, 
and I I think it it needed to dial down that slightly sort of eccentric oddity because that's what this bit has that's the only slight caveat I have in my otherwise undying joy of this performance because I think he's one of the great great Doctor Who villains I think it's an absolutely terrific performance and I, and, and when I rewatched this you know over and over again as I was wont to do when these stories went out uh you know I couldn't get enough of what he was doing um isn't this the bit where there's the incidental music did have some whistling in it it was vetoed by by Russell T Davis and Julie Gardner I think and is then the whistling on the on the actual soundtrack do we have it I remember there was a yeah there was a bit of back and forth I think it was mentioned in Doc 2 magazine that uh, yeah um there's something lovely about having the, the TARDIS sort of hidden away in a barn and again all of that is is very um pithily dealt with you know the, the sort of bit we, we don't waste time going where where's how they hide the tardis why why does nobody find the TARDIS? you know boom 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 get rid of all of that um it's a it's a it's actually a, it's a beautiful score i'm a i'm a big fan of murray gold too i love this this period of doctor Who. i remember there was a was there a break there was a break for the eurovision so at the end of was it the end of 42 they had a a sort of because it's not on for two weeks coming next the next time trailer was not the next time trailer for this episode it was next time trailer for the rest of the series so it had we want the doctor it had jared horan doing that didn't it but uh but then it but then it had this so so it felt like this was the beginning of another season even though we'd only had a week off for eurovision because they were so good um at that kind of thing then of 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 dripping you just enough clips to make every every week seem like a headline every week seem like something momentous and yet and then even just by by the virtue of having a week off they went well we'll 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 make it seem like this second chunk of the season is another sort of on the way to another blockbuster it was the way it was packaged i mean just purely aside from the fact that it's really high quality acting writing and directing all of this stuff the way that the show was was packaged as an entity uh is, is, is I think in a lesson in in keeping the audience interested. The the, the and the, and the, this this whole flash flashback here, telling us just what we need to know, but doing it now that we're in the midst of the story is a is a brilliant conceit because because the story is getting on with itself now. The aliens have arrived and stuff's going on, uh, but now Martha's filling us in. Uh, the, the the score that is 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 is. Uh, you know, is, up, is upping the ante there even though this is in sort of retrospect this is as i say this is backstory but it's backstory being fed to us because it's because it's having an impact on what's happening now it's happen having an impact on martha who's a little bit stuck uh and and i mean tenant's great at that sort of all that stuff it's it's really well packaged and managed storytelling and i'm delighted they cut the bit where the doc i've done a whole podcast about this where the doctor says he doesn't like pears doctor who is an example to children uh fussy eaters are not to me an example to children i was made to eat everything uh and as a because my mum grew all the vegetables that we ate uh because we didn't have uh, an awful lot to play with and uh 
and and it made me the man I am today. And there was stuff that I hated as a kid that I love now because I was made to eat it and I got used to it. Uh, and I think instilling the idea that I see, when I see parents go, you won't like that. I think, what are you doing now? They won't because you've put that idea into their heads. Um, I, so I'm glad that, the, and I know the, the not liking pears thing is now canon because it's been, it was in Peter Capaldi's last speech and everything. So I, it's not a battle I've won. Um, the battle of pear tree farm. <laughs> um, I know somebody lives. Anyway, let's not get into that. Um, uh, Ah, oh, he's got a, and thank you. That's so sweet. Um, she does really well. This uh, free management. Um, he's got a great face, hasn't he, Thomas Brodie Sankster? He's got a he's got a wonderful, and he's had a great career. If you've not seen the Queen's Gambit, uh, that's a that's a great show. Uh, that I think he might have got nominated for an Emmy or something. One of that one of those, um, or that or the ensemble cast did. It was a largely British cast playing Americans. Um, pa Patrick Troughton's grandson is in it. Um, Harry Harry Denning. Um, lots of British actors in this this American show. Um, uh, lots of British actors doing well over over the other side of the pond. This young man uh, included, and he's great in this, and he's a great character, and he's got a terrific uh, he's got a terrific sort of urchin face. I love that that. Uh, that turn of Harry Lloyd to camera. It's Charles Palmer, isn't it, directing this, who does a does a cracking job. Um, I think the Eva, I think Doctor in a period setting. I always love because uh, I said it before. You know, it's the incongruity. It's the it's the it, it, it's it's the John Tom John Pert, We said it best. The Leti, Yeti on your loo in Tooting Beck. It's the you know the police box on an alien vista or in an ancient building or an old fashioned setting. You know things out of time uh that that's what time travel allows us it allows us the incongruity of the ancient and the modern clashing and that's a great visual but it's also a great dynamic uh it's it's useful for storytelling it's useful for character uh it's just just useful thematically um and of course this looks like the comedian arches you know it is just there for um oh, i love that the sniff it's just those little touches that say that they're alien um uh it looks like it's just there for this story and it's you know it justifies its existence for this story because it's there to to disguise the doctor um but of course it it then comes back uh and repays its presence big time for for um when you know when the season starts to gear towards the finale and it and it and it kicks and it kicks utopia into a completely different direction jared horan is an actor that should have been in doctor who by this point oh i forgot the scarecrows are brilliant that is i'm loving the a scarecrow is a doctor who thing i think the design of those scarecrows is absolutely fantastic um i mean it's there's the scarecrow mark of the rani isn't there there's the, it's the master isn't it where the scarecrow does a thing and that's quite a thing of sort of scary drama somebody walks past a scarecrow and it moves so it's it's not it's not an unknown thing but i think i think the design that the sort of sad face and i think the genius of that uh sort of sackcloth gait that they have um uh that that because it's it's almost got the sort of sad you know the, the the scarecrow of the wizard of oz thing but it's a perverse monstrous version but that sort of ragdolly kind of uh gate that they have uh is is 
absolutely right it says scarecrow but it's also sort of perverse and sort of scary but but with a slight sort of melancholy and sadness and dopiness it's like the dopey scarecrow isn't it from from uh from wizard of oz so it, it flirts with almost being humorous but isn't that's what makes it scary and again it's that thing of being a a, a parody of what we sort of know it's recognizable you would expect a scarecrow to move like that why would you because scarecrows don't move but it kind of makes a sort of sense and because it makes a sort of sense uh and, and we sort of, it's in, we recognize the incongruity, which sounds like a contradiction in terms. Um, and, and this is all great um, because, you know, it, it sums up the sort of, you know, the harshness of this, of this world. You know, kids had to grow up so fast. And, you know, when, when people, there are, I was reading something the other day about a sort of return to discipline in schools and that sort of thing and as a as an older person who's slightly frightened of you know gobby teenagers I sort of you know part of me goes yeah well, that's what we need a bit of a but actually the sort of discipline that, that created these you know very upright people as we think of in the past created some really screwed up people and uh what, what you know was had a had a seam of violence and cruelty and unfairness running through it um and what's interesting is is seeing the doctor absolutely fine about corporal punishment you know which we find absolutely appalling there was still corporal punishment at school when i was at school i mean i, th I think i probably my period at school saw saw the sort of the easing off out of it but yeah i'm i'm that old i saw people getting their bottoms smacked um which have you struck off now as a teacher um but the but the, the whole you know pre preparing for world war one setting just gives the story an an extra sort of emotional moral heft and a really interesting backdrop that again you don't we don't get any stern lectures about it we don't get any chin stroking about it it's there and we we judge it or we don't and actually it's not judged 100% good you know Pip Torrens as the headmaster I mean when you've got Pip Torrens what fourth or fifth on the guest cast you have a good guest cast because he's a mighty fine actor he's currently in succession playing uh, the, the sort of man that wears salmon coloured trousers to a wedding <laughs> he's a wonderful actor Pip Torrens I mean one of our one of our best actors I'd, I'd love to see him come back to Doctor Who to do more but the fact that he's playing you know a, a relative is still a great part but you know he's not the main guest star which uh, an actor of his his hefts you know should definitely be I love the doctor's coat and hat combo those are the sort of clothes I'd like to wear and get away with wearing but I have neither the shape nor the gait nor the posture for it and I would just end up looking like I I've I'd spent the night in a hedge uh it's one of the many things that makes me sad uh this is this is a funny this i mean this sequence must have taken ages to do it's it's uh i mean it's a bit of silly um which you know the story could totally live without and it it will never be a highlight for me of the story and yet it's absolutely brilliant uh and really well done uh and the amount of work that must have gone into it but you know for for me it's a kind of it's it's a it's a it's a distraction from the story and yet it just goes to show what a high quality piece of work that this is that this this sort of disposable bit and actually slightly silly bit uh is actually a, a bravura piece of television uh 
technically, and it's and it's and it's it's, it's and, and he acts it so well. <laughs> oh, they're so delightful, these two, you extraordinary man. Yeah, and that that laugh that he does in spite of himself, he's such a good actor, Tennant. Um, oh. And and you know this this musing that they have about, you know, a girl in every fireplace, all of that. Though this, oh, I do love these scarecrows. Um, I'm a fan. Can you tell? Uh, choosing, choosing a, uh, choosing th- it's three things per episode, and then a bonus thing I have to choose. Uh, Gallifrey is that in Ireland? That's uh, lovely, and that, that gets a major payoff, doesn't it? But uh, that finds its roots, does it, in uh, in Black Orchid? I think um, certainly mentioned. Is it? Yeah, um, is it? No, Traken is. Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, Sydney and Verity, lovely, lovely touch. Uh, I, I wonder if there's a deleted scene where he goes. My parents were called Sydney and Verity. And uh, my uncle was called David Whitaker, and my second cousin, twice removed, was called Mervyn. Uh, and then there were my best mates at school, Warris uh, and Terry, uh, and this uh, and and uh, cousin Anthony from Australia. But we we lost touch with him very quickly. I don't know why I've done it all in that accent. Um, uh, uh. I love those drawings. Uh, if I'd been the set person who did those drawings, I would have hung on to them <laughs> and sold them for a fortune. But no, I would never. That's the problem when people say, "Oh, you know, hang, I don't, I haven't got anything from Doctor Who." But yeah, yeah, hang on to, hang on to that. Might come in useful one day. I'd go, "Well, yeah, but I mean, I can't even throw away a, a tatty copy of Doctor Who Adventures that that that, that you know has been just half destroyed by children because it's a Doctor Who thing. I can't throw Do- I couldn't throw any Doctor Who thing away. Doctor Who's kissing, and of course Doctor Who is allowed to kiss because it's not Doctor Who kissing. It's because uh, I'm very much in the. I don't want to see Doctor Who kissing. There, are, there's kissing goes on in any other number of programs. Uh, I, you know, as 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 a kid, uh, you know, one of the appeals of Doctor Who was that it, it wasn't about romance and that sort of thing but this of course plays entirely into that because and it's absolutely fine because it's not doctor who it's john smith uh, uh but it plays with what we have a but you know it actually plays with our or my a particular sort of fan of which i am one who goes i don't want hanky panky in the tardis I, you know i don't want lovey dovey stuff um and yet if you flirt with it, and I, of course the stuff with Rose, I loved. I was fell hook, line, and sinker for all of that. Um, so there's another thing as well of actually what you think might be the end of the world sometimes isn't. Um, but this plays with all of that, uh, and 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 is actually a, a vital part of the storytelling. Um, uh, you know the 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 fact that we're not used to seeing the Doctor. Um, in love and certainly not kissing um this is this girl. oh and let's uh not shy away from the fact that um uh the the, the family of blood's victims have been yes the farmer and the public schoolboy and a child with a balloon i love that the little tilt of the head and the sniffing they are such great villains because they're just slightly Peculiar again, they're slight parodies uh, of people 
that we kind of know i mean we don't really know the farmer or or the or the little girl but we you know but they're they're people um and the fact and it's very very sad and rebecca staten's great here oh and and it's because uh we we get we get more than we get more than just her being sort of dragged off which is all, all that sort of happened with the farmer and the and the and the little girl we actually see her in the sort of spaceship almost begging for her life and 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 you know being so upset because she's so innocent uh, uh and and so sort of humble um that 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 it's it's it seems sort of so cruel because she's a, a sort of you know a a a, a guileless and, and sort of rather you know simple kind of character um who who have oh and he's so good the way that he does all of that but it's so horrible because that also buys into the fact that she's a she's a sort of she's a she's a cleaner uh, and he's a, a, and he's of good stock or the person she thinks he is is of good stock and and it's got that sort of patronizing element to it that that actually reflects the reality of that dynamic in the outside world and sort of makes it quite rightly seem you know even more disgusting uh, because it is quite disgusting that because of somebody's place in inverted commas um uh, a, a young man you know can patronize a grown woman or, or whatever uh so it, it's got again because it has that all of that stuff underneath it as a sort of subtext not even a subtext but just as the the, the because the setting brings all of that with it uh, it informs everything on on, on su such a so much of a better level uh, I think it's really interesting and speaks to speaks to us as a, you know, as a as a society and of, you know, and 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 you know what we think, what we expect, what you know, how we've changed, and actually also how we haven't, you know. And part of me does go, you know, I think the world was a better place when we drank tea out of china cups and saucers and you know all of that sort of stuff all of that sort of oldie worldy stuff i find very appealing because i've got you know i've got just enough of a foot in that world because you know i can i can feel that room i can feel that room that they're in you know before there was central heating and when there were you know big old buildings that were that were cold and uh, you know beds that just had blankets on you know all of that sort of stuff i still have a little foot a tiny foot in that world it's you know uh, and and you know when I was a kid there were you know there were people around for whom this time was a living memory so um, uh, and this is this is uh, I, I don't know why the family of blood d don't don't know what some food is but it's it's a it's a clever way of of well it's a useful way of showing uh, Martha realizing that something's wrong i like the fact that it doesn't take long for the alien to to realize that martha's uh cottoned on because that would that would undermine the alien if 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 martha if you know if martha had found out and the alien was absolutely clueless because it would automatically go oh, well, these these guys aren't up to much um I, I don't quite buy the yes oh i'll just say i'd like an elephant sandwich and the aliens will go well th that sounds fine to me because I, I under what other circumstances i'm going to go to work i'm going to go to work on my on my marmalade bicycle well of course you are you, you know I, I don't why why they know what some words mean and not others but it's it's i i, I think it sort of works there that's brilliant cultural differences 
that is that is glorious because we love john smith and he's a nice guy and these are both nice guy but they have attitudes that are appalling to us uh and that you know that's deep and i love her reaction to you know the sort of patronizing that you know cultural differences this is a book that's brilliant and that's uh uh, again, and it's and I, it's not remotely heavy-handed. It's not us with the benefit of, uh, you know, uh, uh, modern perspectives going. Oh, weren't these people stupid? Which is exactly what those characters are, are, are guilty of. It's the you know, um, that's that's really I like I, I like the sort of cutting to the to the to the to the future. They never uh, we never quite explain why. Um, Thomas Brody Sangster is psychic and and has the future thing and but again and it's and it and it's a it's a sort of important element of the story just in the sense that it gives him a, a little bit of a different perspective and it, and it impacts the plot slightly but again there's there's no sort of no, we don't need to sort of sit down and have a massive scene about it um, if we can accept you know alien Mayfire beasts uh, and their spaceship and their tail you know we can accept the fact that uh, this you know this young lad for whatever reason has you know slightly enhanced psychic powers i was astonished that this doorman is Derek smith Derek smith has seen his bottom i mean uh, midsummer night's dream uh oh who he was bottom uh lois baxter was titania from androids of tara uh jim mcmanus from the invisible enemy was snout oh michael goldie from the wheel in space and craddock from Daleks 2150 AD was snug um, at Ludlow Castle, directed by Peter Krajine, who destroyed Doctor Who. But Derek Smith, aside from the fact that I saw him play Bottom, which is, you know, the star part, really, um, uh, and a great production, Modern Dress, the denizens of Ludlow did not approve. Shakespeare's in the olden days. Uh, you could set it in the Edwardian era, that's fine, that's the olden days, but you couldn't set it in Modern Dress. Uh, a, a great alien acting here from these two. Um, they are brilliant, brilliant characters all of these aliens um but Derek smith is playing he's he's the lead baddie in shadow the blake seven episode he's that he's one of the leads in the guardians uh, excellent sort of dystopian future thing um i love the fact the girl still got a, a, a balloon it's really haunting but this year Derek smith i mean he's in his 90s now he's on facebook um i i sort of admire that that he could have long retired but uh, Derek, they want you to do handful of lines in Doctor Who. Yeah, and you know he's one of those actors that if he'd been in Doctor Who, you know when Doctor Who, when the classic series was on, which he could have been at any point during his run, you know he'd have been the guest lead. He'd have been, you know, he'd have been, I don't know, uh, uh, P Professor Marius. You know, he'd have, he'd have been uh, Doctor Fendelman or uh, or or. Uh, uh, um count federico you know one of those he could have been he could have been any any of those sorts of characters i suppose in the 60s he might have been arthur terrell in evil of the daleks or somebody but you know he's a really class act um and i assumed he'd just retired and then i saw it's derek smith um but that's the nature of the business, isn't it? You're you're not going to keep working when you're in your in your mid seventies, eighties, ninety. But but you can if you choose make yourself available for work, and that's clearly what he he did. And occasionally they go, we need somebody who's in their mid eighties. Uh, I'll do it. I don't care. So good for you, Derek Smith. Good to see you. 
he played Polonius at the Royal Exchange to the Hamlet of Robert Lindsay. Um, some other good actors in that as well. I can't remember who now. Um, I, uh, I really like the fact that... Oh, good close-up for, for Derek. Oh, and this is horrible. Um, that's horrible. And, and again, because that's an old war veteran, I find that, you know, it's a terrible thing that that's somebody who, you know, will have been in a, absolutely perilous sort of situations who then is sort of wasted literally by, you know, by by the cruel indifference of a of, of this really horrible alien. Uh, uh, and Jared Horan, uh, he, 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 he really should have been in Doc 2 before now. Uh Zap, you get killed as well. Yeah, and it's a nice just effect that as well. Um, uh, Jared Horan, he was he was in London's Burning. He's put on a bit of weight since he was on telly. He was on telly a lot in the eighties, where his uh, he he wasn't quite he didn't have quite such a sort of chin. He was quite because uh, he was younger. I'm not I'm not being um, rude, you know. I'm not being casting any aspersions, but he had particularly sort of. Jug, he had a sort of jug-eared, slightly gormless countenance that he, that he, that he played upon. He's, a, he's an excellent classical actor. He's a, he was he's a, he's, he's a, a close associate of Kenneth Branagh, but he's got a face that suited particular sorts of parts in the 80s, and he's, 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 he's one of the regular um, sort of patients in The Singing Detective next to Michael Gambon, uh, uh, next to David Ryle. And, uh, and he was in London's Burning as well as a sort of hapless firefighter. Uh, and this is, uh, and, and so it's good to see him, you know, but he's, he's really heavy in this and he's really, you know, forceful and villainous. And it's not, and he's always an actor I liked in the 80s. He always, he, he always, it was always nice to see him pop up in things. Uh, but he's in, yeah, he's in Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing as, uh, is it Boraccio? Thug. Um, so he's, he's one of those actors that you know, I was pleased to see pop up in Doctor Who. He's a good actor. Um. David Tennant makes a mistake, actually, in the commentary for this, where he says, oh, he turns up as a voice of one of the top clophane, because I think David Tennant had misread the credits, because it's because Jared Logan. Uh, so it always goes, you know, even a primary source, get things wrong, so you double-check before you write it in the history books, people. Um, there's me pointing, talking about, uh, and yes, let's not get this uh, cast-related fact on, uh, on a commentary wrong, uh, rather than talk about the gloriousness of the Doctor's moral dilemma which is a brilliantly set up cliffhanger then uh that that you know makes all the disparate parts of the story and all the different pulls that that that, that the character of the doctor well the doctor's not really been in it because the doctor has been subsumed by john smith who doesn't really exist and there's all that sort of stuff about identity well john smith is a real person and is free of the doctor and has you know, and does some things, as I say, like the being indifferent to corporal punishment. Uh, we go, oh, we're not, we're not really sure about that. But then, in other ways, he's he's better than the Doctor because reintroducing the Doctor to him makes for some awful pragmatic decision. And this is a very clever throw forward because the it 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 makes us think we're gonna see the Doctor living a life with with joan um and and the way that that actually manifests itself in the uh in in the story as it 
as it turns out next week is is very different so even the that the trailer is very very sneaky and it sort of it slightly lets you down because you think oh uh, what uh, the, the, i mean that deliberately it made me go oh i, do, I don't want to see him get married and have kids I, I want this story so the trailer's setting me up to be disappointed and then of course when it actually reveals why it's showing you those things and what is that it's a relief so it, it sort of almost promises you what you don't want from the story in a way and then doesn't give you that and then you're pleased clever so clever oh what a superb episode that is um uh, it's got it's got everything you want wonderful villains it's a period setting uh the, the leads are great the guest cast are great the ideas are superb um oh it's top notch so what are my th- three favorite things about human nature? Well, um, oh God, I think all of these are probably going to touch on what Paul chooses, and I'm just going to be just going to slightly miss out. So there's no point in even even trying to second guess. Um, so just what are your favorite things, Toby? Well, I I think. I mean, I think all that, the alienness of the alien. Yeah, I think, I think the, the, the family, the family, just that, that sniffing Harry Lloyd's looks and deportment, the tilting of the heads, the, the, the choosing of the victims. I think they're a great set of villains. Um, and they really work and they're really creepy and they're really odd. Um, love that. Um, I, I I love the way that the story just starts at such a lick. So the whole structuring of of the way that they choose to tell the story, the way that they get rid of any sort of ponderous or laborious setting up of the science of it, or um, you know exactly who the family are, or, or or why they're chasing the doctor or whatever, and then you know twenty minutes talking about the mechanics of the chameleon arch and, the, and how it works. Blah, blah, blah. The, the the way that they deal with that is so artfully done. So yeah, the, the the sort of the the way it starts, the way it frames, the way it starts, the way it's set up, the whole way it just t- tells that story with with economy and class. Um, oh, there's so much. I love the I love the period setting, but I'll probably talk a bit about that next week because there's that. Uh, I mean, I'll tell you for st- or before we even begin that that the well, I know I know I know one thing I'm going to choose next week already. Um, but I suppose the third thing is I think the scarecrows are great. I think this, and I haven't even got this is all service. I haven't even got to the sort of depth of the, you know, the the book of memories or 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 some, some, you know some of the choices of production design or. But I I I think I got to get them there because. So he's got he's bound to choose them i think i think the design those downturned mouths the stitching that their 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 lolloping gait uh the fact that they're scarecrows the scarecrow monsters so the family of blood including those performances particularly because he's got the better part harry lloyd but they're all great but i i love harry lloyd um but the yeah the family the tilting of the heads all of that the whole everything that they are um 
the economy of the story and the structuring of the storytelling and 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 the way that the that that the that the, the, the family and the chameleon arch and anything and everything are so wonderfully woven into the story with such brisk economy so that we can get on with the meat of the story which is that beautiful concept i mean the concept itself you know turning the doctor into a human that should be one of the things i've chosen and if he doesn't choose it this week i'll probably choose it next week but got a feeling he might choose that just the very fundamentals of the story it's a brilliant idea um, take doctor who out of doctor who and make, make doctor who human ah oh, brilliant and my third thing is but i didn't choose that my third thing is the scarecrows there's so many things i could have chosen let's see if paul has chosen any of the things that i i, I chose there so human nature um i think from the off is one of my favorite moments it's just the fact that the doctor is genuinely scared and he's panicking um it's really cool to actually see a doctor that's you know completely and utterly not sure what to do um he sort of reminds me um of the joy that is troughton uh, whenever patrick troughton's doctor is faced with impossible odds he has a tendency to go into full-on panic mode which i really loved uh, the second uh, thing that I really adore about human nature actually is Martha. Um, I think she's just got the most amazing uh, little um, bit of work to do in, in, in both episodes, actually, but particularly in this one, because she's she's been lumbered with the task of keeping the Doctor safe. Um, and that means she has to spend her time in servitude. And you're not quite entirely sure just how long she spends her time scrubbing floors, being racially slurred. I mean, she's just in the, the most awful position. She keeps walking into rooms, which is brilliant. And then they keep saying, you need to knock first. And then she sort of, yeah, all right. And then she sort of walks back and knocks. I love all the stuff that um, she's uh, doing in, in this episode and the next episode. It's just a really great character arc story for her. She's all sassy normally, and she's being forced to sort of live in the past in a, in a position that she absolutely loathes. And the other thing I really love is the character of Baines, the uh, schoolboy, who once he's transformed into one of the family, he just goes full on. Like, it's a massive theatrical slice of ham, and I really love it. He he's, he's just goes insane. The way he stares at people um, is absolutely amazing. It's genuinely terrifying, his uh, characterization of being taken over by an alien force. In particular, I really like his sideways mouth. <laughs> his mouth sort of, sort of goes up the side of his face like he's been painted by a Picasso. By a Picasso? By the Picasso. Um, well, I think I get one of those because I, I did specify uh, Harry Lloyd plays Baines uh, in my... I mean, I you know, I did sort of cheat sideways by, by, by sort of spreading my uh, umbrella uh, over over a wider area, but because um, I'm I'm not I'm not even going to get close, uh, I think, because I agreed with the other things that Paul said, particularly about Martha and free free management is is superb, and I and I really like that you know that her character. Or, or, or the way that, that, that her character is, is placed within the story and the way that the actress rises to the occasion. Um, it's just so, so cleverly done and placed and it's, br it's brilliant. Um, so I'm going to take a point out of three because I'm going to get nowhere. And I, I, you know, I've, I did big up uh, Harry Lloyd and mention him in, in, in one of my three things. Uh, there's still a chance for me because if he mentions uh, 
well, he won't mention the economy thing because that was really specific to where the story started, I suppose. Um, but if he mentions the scarecrows in episode two, I still get the point for that. That's how it works. But yeah, I'm I'm under no I'm laboring under no illusions that I stand a snowball's chance in hell. Um, so I'm going to take I'm going to take a point uh, if if the uh, ombudsman in uh, uh, wherever you are decides that uh, I've I've awarded myself one of those under. Uh, uh, a misunderstanding of the rules or a perversion of, of sportsmanship you can take the point away from me it's absolutely fine you can you can strip me of my uh, 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 happy times and space places olympic um, uh, status if you so choose uh, i really enjoy that episode i think it's it's a great example of uh, new who having the spirit of old doctor who and yet doing the sort of storytelling that for whatever reason, and it's not a slight of old Doctor Who, I love old Doctor Who, it's my favourite thing in the world, but I have to acknowledge that the sophistication of the storytelling, the ambition, the depth, the humanity, the intelligence, the application of the of what of what you can do with the show, doing new things with it without messing about with it it's it's all entirely consistent i think with what doctor who does even though that's a major shake-up of going what if the doctor was human but it still does all those things without shaking the fundamentals of the show to as we understand them you know n n not not affecting those beyond the confines of the story um it's it, i think it's brilliant i think it's a, a really classy piece of work it's it's legitimately good Doctor Who, but also surprising a new and invigoratingly um, novel <laughs> Doctor Who from a Doctor Who novel that I've never read. I should one of these days. I've never read The Mill on the Floss. So <laughs> uh, I've, I've never even read The Guns of Navarone. Um, there's a lot I've never read. Uh, I, I, I know. I think I, I think I tried to come across somebody. I think I, I think I talk like somebody who's read all of the books in order to disguise the fact that I, I haven't read all that many of them. How terrible! What I have done though is I've watched Doctor Who a lot, and so this is why I, I've invited you to my house. I haven't invited you to my house to talk about F. Scott Fitzgerald. I'm talking about Paul Connell, who uh, is a legitimate writer, and just because he's a Doctor Who fan does not mean that uh, he should not be writing for Doctor Who and indeed any number of other things. And, and I'm not saying this because he's a friend of mine because I don't know, I only know Paul because I've met him at conventions and he very then kindly uh, invited me to be partake in a fantasy cricket league that we do. But, you know, I, I've only sort of spent a handful of times with him. Uh, I find him most agreeable company. But, but I'm not saying any of this because of that. I think he's an... Or because he contributed to this podcast and did the Curse of Peladon, um, he's a really classy writer. I I I I love every minute that he's written for Doctor Who, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm really delighted. I was worried because I thought, is am I gonna? I don't know. I just had a feeling. Oh, perhaps it's a bit. You know, now once once the novelty has worn off, perhaps it's you know, it's just a dust dusty old story set in a set in a 
public school and I, and I don't like the laser guns I don't like the design of those I don't know why and I was thinking oh perhaps it's perhaps it's not all that good I, d- I don't know it's something about the shape of them they're too curved I think they need to yeah I don't know it's, it's I have no logic to it at all I just don't particularly like the shape of the laser guns so there's they're in my head going so maybe I don't really like this story I love this story it's brilliant um and I'm sure even the laser guns are fine uh and they are laser guns, and I do like a laser gun. I love the beams. I just don't like the shape of them. I don't know why. Because, yeah, where the... Yeah, well, they're... A, they're yeah, they should be a slut, because they shouldn't look like guns. I just Anyway, sometimes... I don't know much about guns, but I know what I like. Um, so I, th- I think I was slightly worried that I, I, I would be slightly underwhelmed for whatever reason. And because I wasn't in the mood to watch newer Doctor Who I was in the mood to watch survival um but I'm glad I watched that because I'm totally invigorated by it I think it's astonishing I think it's brilliant and I know that there is some amazing stuff in the next episode and it's taken me back to that time when I would get the Radio Times and I would read the previews and I would spend all of my week thinking about next week's Doctor Who. Uh, I don't know why, because I, you know, I, I mean, I had kids and I had when I was working and all that sort of thing. I seem to have less time now. I don't know why, because I was really busy then. But for some reason, for some reason, when for those weeks that Doctor Who was on, it was literally killing time between Saturdays and being so excited. And then the fallout because it, it so rarely disappointed and often exceeded expectations. And I knew that this story was big news because it was based on a book that everybody raved about. Um, but that, in effect, made me sort of think, oh, well, is this sort of soiled goods in a way? Because it's already been handled, you know, somebody's already messed about with it. Uh, and I just remember go, oh god, no! This is really, this is something really special, and I think it still is. It's an amazing piece of Doctor Who. So join me next time when we have the continuation of this amazing piece of Doctor Who and one of my favourite segments. Oh, I, thinking about it just nourishes me in, 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 in its brilliance of, 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 of an example. It, it, it does something that no other programme, I think, could do so effectively. And its ingredients, all its ingredients together, are make no sense if you lay them out. or They, they make sense within themselves, but they, you, 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 you describe them to people and they go, and, and, and you watch that and, you, and, and it makes you cry. And uh, you go, yeah, that's why Doctor Who is what it is (laughs) i think you could probably guess which bit i'm talking about i hope i do it justice thank you for listening to this uh i there's i love talking about doctor who and it thrills me that there are people out there that are prepared to listen to me do so i hope this if as has made you want to scurry back to watch family of blood or if you have been watching family of blood with me talking over it you fools just watch it it's great not family of blood human nature family of blood's next week um but look i hope this i hope this this piece of doctor who inspires you as much as it inspires me um because it's made me end my day grinning from ear to ear and just thrilled at the possibilities of imaginative um gripping 
clever, insightful, intelligent, mad, funny, magical storytelling uh, being done by brilliant people. Uh, so um, with that, it's time for bed. And I'll see you for the family of blood next time. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydoke. My special guest this time around is Paul Litchfield, who can be found on Twitter at Mr. P. Litchfield. Uh, he's very, very funny. Well worth a follow. I would like to thank him and also show my appreciation to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Quaridors, Rachel T.S., Peter Reed, Paula Reynolds, Alex Rowan, Darren Rule, Gavin Rymill, Tom Selinsky, Samuel, don't have your surname, Samuel, Edward Salt, Frank Shales, John Sheehan, Paul Shields, Trevor Smith, Richard Smith, David Spencer, David Spofforth, Adam Stone, Paul Taylor Greaves, Jason Thompson, Sidney Troitt, John Turner, Lee Wakerley, Gary Wales, Jeff Walker, Alistair Wallace, Gavin Ware, Peter Ware, Rich Wiggins, Reese Williams, Jason Wilshire Mills, and Sydney Wilson. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates. Oh, and I ran out of time there to credit uh, the logos which were created by a young man called Dylan Patterson, and they adorn the uh, the. Uh, places that these hang around online when I need a, a placeholder image. It's the TARDIS wrapped in a scarf and various different uh, backgrounds done by uh, Dylan Patterson, who is the son of a friend of mine from university, which is a lovely thing. My friend got in touch and said, oh, my son loves Doctor Who. And, I, and he's and he's and, and he's and I sent him a couple of things. And then he said, oh, he's, he's, he's made some art for you. And I went, actually, can we turn that into the things for my podcast? So... Isn't that lovely? Anyway, uh, so hopefully that little explanation is better than an official credit, although the credit listener in me is appalled that it's not actually part of the credits, but I just, I just, I was just, I, I, it was a case of either cutting off the last three names of that list, but that actually gets me, that's got me everybody uh, in the alphabetical list, um, even though Sidney Wilson is obviously a pseudonym. It is. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to be a patron of these podcasts, you can be so by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where I can rush to get your name before uh, the closing credits run out. And as a result, not credit a young person uh, for the artwork that they've done. But it's because I am very, very grateful to uh, the patrons who can join for as little as three pounds per month. Uh, and you actually get a 10% discount on top of that if you sign up for a whole year in one go. You get advance releases, bonus material, exclusives, uh, interaction, uh, and there's a few extra trinkets as you ascend further up the ladder. But most things are available at the lowest tier because I try and make it as sort of fair as possible. You can also do one-off payments at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock if uh, you don't want to commit to a monthly thing. That's perfectly understandable. But you know what costs you nothing? Just to go on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you get these podcasts from and give them a five-star review and perhaps a couple of lines of nice comment just to help us 
to stand out from the crowd. Us. I make it sound very grand. There's a production team behind me and a whole load of creative brains. It's me t- talking on my sofa. That's that's all it is. What, you couldn't tell? It sounds like a slick operation. A machine with a production company behind it. No, it doesn't, does it? It sounds like a man scrabbling for something interesting to say. Anyway, if you've got this far, um, I admire your pluck because it's about to end up. We've even run out of musical stings. So um, we're just going to uh, sort of dribble to an end, really. Um, so uh, I hope you like that. <laughs>